0: Welcome back to another episode of the Freaking Geeks Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Sarah, and of course with me is Michael.
1: Yes, this is round two, by the way. So, my <laughs> fault. Totally my fault. The second time, uh, and by second time, I don't mean we recorded the entire episode, just that we... That'd be horrible. We, oh, yeah, I would have a, an aneurysm. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we got uh, about six or seven minutes into the recording, and I realized there was an issue on my end. So, we're back to doing it again so here we go um
0: (laughs) yeah
1: and as you can tell raker's not here um and i I guess we can quickly go into why he's not here and uh the difficulties in finding any uh miyazaki movie Uh, so uh we had planned on doing my neighbor totoro and that uh was impossible to find so, last night, Sarah said, you know what, let's do Spirited Away, right? It's, his, it's Miyazaki's most uh, celebrated work, and I thought, great, wonderful, easy to find. Uh, wrong. <laughs> so, I, I got up early this morning, and I had a, a dentist appointment. Uh, so, I thought, okay, you know what, I'll find Spirited Away. I'll watch it before I have to go to the dentist, and I'll have that done. Well, you couldn't find Spirited Away on Netflix, Amazon Prime um voodoo Comcast like combining all those like available resources together you should be able to find almost any movie at least to rent right. can't find it so I had to turn to my local library to get spirited away I found it found a copy I had to drive a half an hour uh, to go to this particular library that had it uh, picked it up and I and of course I managed to see it which is great but the point is I had to go to my local library in order to find this movie. And I just want to give a shout out to libraries because they rock you know, local <laughs> libraries. Don't get enough attention or funding. Uh, they deserve that. They do a lot of wonderful things outside of providing books and DVDs. They have a lot of uh, wonderful resources available to people there uh, that need them. They, they have a lot of authors come in and, and give um, read like do readings of their own work, things like that. Like, like, libraries are fantastic. So, if you haven't visited your local library recently, I implore you to do so because they deserve more people coming in. You know, to whether it's to get a book or or do or get a movie, whatever it is, just go visit your local library because they deserve more.
0: So. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, libraries are a wonderful thing and allow us to be able to record this.
1: <laughs> right, and as you can tell, Raker's not here. Uh, the reason is. Like me, he couldn't find it. Now, the option to get this movie isn't as easy for him because he lives a little further away than I do. He lives about an hour away from me. Uh, and plus, he uh, he has children that he had to watch, and so he can just jump up and leave. And uh, it was also a short notice thing, um, switching from My Neighbor Totoro, which was our original uh, movie to watch, to Spirited Away so uh, unfortunately because of his limitations uh, placed on him and you know having kids and, and doing all of that um, he just was unable to you know watch Spirited Away and join in the conversation he really wanted to be here but you know just a combination of factors that just forced him to not be able to be here tonight so you just have Sarah and I.
0: <laughs> Did he say if he had ever seen Spirited Away or not?
1: You know, I didn't ask him, but I'd be surprised if he didn't see it. I just, like me and you, I think he hadn't seen it in a long time.
0: Yeah, it was definitely a blast from the past, watching this, and it had been quite a few, I know it's been like a decade since you've seen it, it's been quite a few years for me too, and I had definitely forgotten some of the elements of the story and just how much I liked it, and I definitely got to watch it more.
1: (laughs) I totally agree. Uh, I saw it about 10 or 11 years ago for the first time. Uh, it came out in college and I you know I had seen you know some anime, um, both in high school and college, but I think it's just being in college, I didn't have the attention span uh, to um, take in a lot of the anime that was coming out back then. Um, I was just too busy to really like, Oh, there's this new celebrated work by Miyazaki. I should check it out. It just, boom, way over my head. I'm just, I wasn't even aware of spirited away, uh, until I want to say about a year or two after it came out and then a buddy of mine had it and he was like, Hey, you should watch this. Uh, but I didn't get around to seeing it until I had already graduated and. Finally, I was able to watch it. I loved it, and uh, I think I saw it three times. And then the last time was about ten or eleven years ago.
0: Yeah, I think like the one I heard about this was at the Oscars because I remember seeing like I heard the familiar name uh, Hayamizaki Miyazaki uh, when they were an- uh, announcing the animated movies and like. He put out a new movie. Why didn't I hear about this? Like, uh, I love his work. I have everything. <laughs> How did I not even know this was happening? And so, yeah, that led me to immediately after the Oscars, go find it and get it as soon as possible and put it on my shelf because <laughs> I absolutely loved it. Um, it's definitely like I expected. Like, I have a thing with the Oscars. Like, I just expected to kind of be overhyped, and that's not actually as good as they say it is, but. Spirit Away, just, it blows it out of the park. It totally deserved that Oscar.
1: Yeah, sometimes uh, any movie, regardless of genre, um, whether it's a live action or animated, sometimes a movie will get overhyped, and then you w- you watch it. Now, granted, I, I get it. Every time you watch a movie, you offer up your opinion, and it's just one opinion. So sometimes, some movies people love... People seem to love it everywhere they go, you know, everywhere you go, you talk to anybody, they love X movie, uh, and sometimes not. Uh, now, like our opinions may differ, but if you were to go to a crowd of a thousand people and say how good is Spirited Away, because of the sample size, you'll get a much better idea of how this movie is viewed, and, and is it really as good as people say it was or is it kind of like a lot of some people raved about it and then the backlash came and now it's just one of those movies where it's not nearly as good as people thought way back when now when it comes to spirited away i i think it's as good as when it first came out i think the Pretty staying timeless. power of this movie is unquestionable
0: yeah i completely agree it's it's held up like I a- I was surprised that it came out so long ago because it felt like it hadn't been that long. Like like 2002 was when I got my hands on it. And I think it came out late 2001. It's hard to believe that that's 15 years ago. <laughs> that makes me so sad. Like I feel, I still feel like this is one of his newer works that's been out within the last few years. Time flies.
1: <laughs> Time does fly. Um, so... Sarah, what would you say this movie is about in a nutshell? Like, how would you give people a a, like a one paragraph summarization of *Spirited Away*?
0: Uh, basically, there's this sullen child named Chihiro, and her parents are moving to this smaller Japanese town in the countryside, you know, much to Chihiro's dismay. Um, on the way to their new home, her, her eccentric father decides to make a wrong turn and drives down this patchy, one-lane, in-the-middle-nowhere wooded <laughs> path, and uh, comes to like a dead end in front of a tunnel, and you know, parents go and explore, and she's very adamant about staying behind, but, you know, you don't want to be left alone in creepy woods. You're going to go with your parents. Uh, And so they go through, and it's an abandoned amusement park um, with its own little town, and her dad (laughs) has a nose for food, and immediately he can smell it. Somebody's still open, and her parents go and find this restaurant, and the owners aren't around, so they just start, eating before paying and uh, she goes and looks around and when she's looking around she comes across this bathhouse and runs into this boy uh, named Haku and he immediately informs her that she's in danger and she needs to get her parents and get across the river but she gets to her parents and they're already turned into pigs which is got to be the most horrifying thing for a child like she doesn't even even know like that's them that she thinks somebody just like replaced pigs there. And, and, uh, so basically she gets trapped in the spirit world. Um, And the main center of the spirit world is this bathhouse that's run by the witch Yubaba. And her intent is keeping all trespassers as captive workers, um, including Chihiro. She takes their name and that's how she controls them. And so basically throughout the story, Chihiro must rely on Haku and learn to rely on herself uh, to save her parents and hope to return to her actual world with them, basically.
1: Yeah, that's a pretty good summarization, you know. Um, Yeah, I think there's some, I guess before we get into like uh, really breaking down this movie, uh, I guess, you know, there's some pretty potent, you know, themes going on in this movie. Uh, Like you said, one is, um, well, there's one thing that I think really stands out with Chihiro and that is self-reliance. Which I think is something that we see early on. She struggles with because her parents are, I guess, I guess they're basically being painted as kind of like yuppies, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they drive an Audi. Um, you know, Chihiro is is maybe maybe a little spoiled. She's certainly a brat in that back seat of the car on She's a little the little tri-
0: ungrateful,
1: whiny, um, complaining a lot. Uh, she just comes across as, as somebody who has a bone to pick with anybody that comes across her path. And so when she goes into this, this world and she's forced to, to rely on her own, you know, brain, uh, her guts, um, fortitude, um. You know, it requires a lot from her. And she becomes, obviously, as we see the story play out, a much, much stronger person. You know, when she first gets there, she's, you know, scared, which is totally understandable, by the way. I mean, I I, I don't care how, you know, self-reliant you are and all that stuff. I think on first blush, anybody would be frightened with the world that they've just encountered. But at the same time you can see early on like she's constantly needing to rely on other people around her and that eventually changes when she realizes that she can do things for herself and it's rewarding so i think you know self-reliance for me is one of the one of the most obvious but yet potent aspects and in love to loving other people not just loving yourself Um, That, I think, is also another important thing.
0: And that love isn't about them taking care of you and doing things for you. You have to be independent of yourself uh, and not rely on them to be able to have a sustainable, you know, love for each other.
1: (laughs) Right, exactly. So, uh, I guess, take it away.
0: So, I guess we're going to talk about just a couple scenes that stand out, have connections to the themes, and one of my favorite uh, favorite scenes is at the near the beginning, um, when Haku leads her towards the Boilerman, and immediately that's just kind of eerie in and of itself. She has to go down these Horrible stairs that are in the side of a building above, like the water, and it's just terrifying. And down the creepy boiler room, and meet this guy who's got six arms, and it's like, how can this ten-year-old girl not be just scared out of her mind? And but she's persistent, and this is the first like time we see her being like really adamant and following someone's words. And I love this scene because Kamaji, like, he's such a an interesting character in and of himself very selfless and what do you... i really liked kamaji what do you think
1: um yeah i mean i i totally agree with what you're saying you know she i think you know early on you know she needs other people to to do for her you know and whether it's Haku, um, right after she kind of crosses over and he's trying to help her out. Or, uh, I can't remember the, the girl that she gets stuck with in the bathhouse. Lin. Lin. You know, Lin. And, well, whereas Haku, I think, is... Ve- One of the things I love about Haku is that he's very understanding. You know, I don't very. think there's really a point in the movie where he gets angry with her. Um... Except maybe early on, like on the bridge initially, where he's like, you got to get out of here, leave, get out of here. But beyond that, like, he's always very understanding. Whereas Lynn's just like, God, you know, (laughs) fine, I'm saddled with this stupid human child, you know, Which (laughs) which I have a question real quick before we go any further. Do you think that some of these people like Lynn and other humans that are in this place, I mean, they refer to her as a human child so initially on first blush you think that they're not human themselves right but I kind of wonder if it's not that they're actually human and they've wandered into this world like Chihiro but like Chihiro and Haku and everybody else there they work at the bathhouse meaning their name has been taken and I think they've forgotten what it's like to be human for so long because they've been stuck in this spirit world that they are essentially disassociating themselves from, like, humanity.
0: Yeah, basically they've been there so long that they haven't just forgotten their name. They've forgotten everything about being human and their world before this. And this is all they know now, just like Haku, same thing. Um, His world, he's totally forgotten it, his name, everything. And this is all he knows is just being you have as apprentice.
1: Right. So, you know, a lot of people compare this to, uh, Alice in Wonderland, you know, uh, like Alice going through, um, uh, the looking glass. And then you have, uh, other comparisons like, uh, Lucy and the Chronicles of Narnia when she, you know, she first crawls out of the wardrobe and boom, you know, look where we're at. Um, so I, I can see some similarities there uh, when you, do you agree with that or disagree with that? Yeah,
0: it's definitely just one of those moments where it's just, you've been pushed into this world and you kind of have to adapt or just completely melt down. Like it's, there's no buffer. You're just kind of, it's culture
1: shock. Yes, it definitely is a culture shock for her. Um, I mean, it's odd, you know, you're being surrounded by a spirit that's scary for sure. You know, when she first, she first kind of goes into the spirit world and she's forced to be there, you know, it's like she has to go up and confront, um, Ibaba and ask for a job. Well, first she goes to the bullet room, right? She has to go there first because, you know, she needs to get some help. Um, Haku says, you know, go down there. You need to, to ask, um, what's his name again? Um, Kamachi. Yeah, Kamachi. So, uh going down there i love the the little what is it uh the
0: dust sprites
1: yeah dust sprites um which i think are adorable by the way <laughs> i love that they feed on like was it stars or is it is it candy i guess
0: it's candy candy stars <laughs> yeah it's so sweet and <laughs> that's um like i think there's quite a bit a few easter eggs in this and that's one of them um that was the first time i saw dust sprites in uh Miyazaki Films was in Totoro, uh, they were a big part of Totoro, and so it's really nice that they show up again because they're adorable as hell, <laughs> especially when they all just like, they she helps that one dust sprite and then they all just drop rocks on themselves <laughs> and stop working.
1: They're like, we just want you to do the same thing for us that you did for that other one, you know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> they're so cute.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. So you know that happens, and then she has to go talk to baba and ask for a job, and you know we see you know Yubaba's is not a, scary a very kind. Yeah, she's not a very kind person. Is she?
0: Oh, she's definitely a witch. And to ugly. Say the least.
1: And ugly. Sorry. Oh, like, I cannot stop it-
0: staring at the curves in her nose.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say the big wart on her forehead. That yeah. too. <laughs> it's like I can't stop looking. Um, I mean right. it's mean, but it's an animated movie, so I'm not that you know, I'm not I don't feel that bad. So
0: her head is like when they have Sen or Sen even I'm saying it, Chihiro close to her, her Chihiro's head is the same size as you eyeball. It's just like <laughs> Jesus. It's like having this old woman magnified.
1: Right. Ugh. <laughs> oh. So uh, we meet the baby, uh, which we is... We caught that baby. Oh, uh, that baby. Um, what
0: a scary child. Like, oh, if you leave me, I'm going to break your arm. Right? Okay.
1: Sure, why not? Uh, Thanks. So, so we see, you know, Chihiro, or she gets renamed Sen because Yubaba steals her name, which gives her, you know, the power over Chihiro. And then we see Chihiro kind of learning the ropes you know, she follows Lynn and she helps to clean and do all this stuff. And initially, she's very terrible at it, uh, but she begins to, you know, pick it up. And you know, within a few days, I feel like she's, you know, doing pretty well. And that's when uh, the stink spirit wanders in.
0: Most disgusting thing ever. It's just walking pile of sludge.
1: Right now, now we know that uh, Miyazaki is an environmentalist. And a lot of his yes. films deal, or at least some of his films, uh, very specifically deal with, you know, with the environmental aspect. Um, like, say, Princess Mononoke, or, or this movie, of course, uh, and ponyo And so...
0: Castle in the Sky.
1: Castle in the Sky. Um, so, in this movie, it's, you know, personified in the stink monster. Uh, so, this, this creature wanders in. You know, Yubaba doesn't want it there, they can't stop it from coming in, though it's huge and disgusting and smells terribly. Yeah. And so, you know, Chihiro greets it as it comes in and, you know, manages to lead it to this giant bath. It falls into this, there's just mud and just sludge and just, just nasty stench everywhere. And Chihiro, who's been given all of these these cards, which, you know, she attaches to a clip and it goes down um, to Komachi, to who then, uh, you know, puts the, you know, whatever's on the clip, uh, puts the herbs and all that stuff into the water and the water comes shooting down and fills up whatever, you know, tub there is. And, you know, apparently she has a... a a card for like the very best that they have and it cleans the, the stink um, monster more but she realizes that there's like a thorn or something stuck in its side so Yubaba along with everybody they kind of attach a rope to it and they yank this thing out and as they're pulling it out it's a bicycle attached to the bicycle is all of this stuff I mean it is just
0: a never-ending pile of garbage.
1: Exactly. That's
0: just disgusting. And um, she falls into the bath uh, while this is happening, and um, she gets pulled into, I guess, like the water vortex, and uh, this um, spirit gives her thanks her and gives her this medicine ball mm-hmm. as a reward for helping him. And then he leaves And he's <laughs> leaving all the garbage behind.
1: Right. And he's so much lighter and freer. And, you know, obviously this is where, you know, his environmental message is, And the reason it, that, that it's an environmental message is this, this spirit is probably a, a water spirit, um, that probably resides in a river or one of the waterways and probably has had all of this junk that we're now seeing, you know, lay everywhere. has all been thrown into the water for however, how, how long. And so it's like he has accumulated as the spirit of whatever river he's been you know, in, he's now accumulated physically all of this junk and, that's why he comes in and gets clean because he has to. It's time. I have to get this off and out of me. And um, we see that after that's out, he's flying around free and he flies away. And, and I, I love that scene for a lot of reasons. I love it because Chihiro, again, is showing that kind of pluck and uh, courage in uh, self-reliance and helping to you know fix this problem. And when she do, does so, it leaves behind all this junk, but it also leaves behind a lot of gold, too. So, I
0: guess, which is what Yubaba loves. Right. So everyone has to collect up the gold and pays for, all oh, I guess, the bit of damage she's done and the bathwater and what have you. Uh, but, yeah, so it's a great moment. She gets the reward, and <laughs> I love when she tries to take a bite of it out of curiosity, and it's just like, her toes like cringe together and she's like down that dumpling just to get the taste out of her mouth it's got to be some really potent awful medicine
1: yeah now she got all those tickets from um
0: Ah, no face no
1: face which is apparently a a spirit now help me break down no face because you know my wife and i were talking about no face um shortly after the movie finished and what we were discussing was that no face on the whole actually isn't a bad spirit i think however when he comes in contact with any other creature he kind of reflects the emotions or that they they show or the core of their being and so when he goes in the bathhouse for instance he goes on this rampage and starts like gobbling up people and it's constantly offering people gold because everybody in there is greedy. And so I feel like yeah. he kind of reflects the, the, the everything the in there. The environment he's in. Right. And so like when Chihiro, uh, later says, as you know, he comes out and he's following her in the water and they're outside of the bathhouse, she says, I think the bath, bathhouse makes him crazy. Once he's out here, he's better. And I think it's because inside that bathhouse, there's so much greed uh, that that's, but he becomes like the personification of that greed. And and so once he just, I mean, I I can't say it any other way, he vomits out all of that greed and also the, the creatures, the people that he's swallowed, he returns to his normal self. I think he's just a lonely spirit who wants a friend. But the problem is, when he went into that bathhouse seeking a friend, he was confronted with all this greed around him, and it just turned him into a monster. Does that sound right? Because that's what we were thinking. I, I think
0: that's very accurate. Okay. I think that's a really good idea of what he's all about, and when he first comes in there, he it already affects him, because he tries to like lure Sen's affection uh, by giving her bath tokens uh, as... He wants her attention, and her to see the greed in her. But she's the one thing that doesn't. Ha- one person in this whole place that doesn't have greed as like, her a part of her. Like she has no greed whatsoever, and that's a great thing about her. And he is completely feeling everybody else's like. Their first thing is like money like because it's their work there's their job so of course they're trying to make tips and earn wages and earn money to even get out of that place and so that's completely the feeling of the entire bathhouse and of course, Bob is just greedy for greedy's sake but he's completely takes on the majority of people but sends the one that he tries to find the greed in her and it's just it's never there and that's what's just like Confusing him, <laughs> he can't understand why. Right.
1: Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that we see in this film is how Chihiro rises above each obstacle that's thrown at her. Whether, you know, it's the uh, the the stink spirit that we see, um, or, you know, she is confronted with. Uh, I'm trying to think. There's there's another spirit that comes in too, right? I'm trying to think. Is there another spirit that comes in that they're confronted by? Or am I just thinking?
0: Am I crazy?
1: (laughs) Yeah, am I crazy? I'm trying to remember now. Um, You know, I I do know that... I think
0: it's just no face.
1: Yeah, just no face. That's right. But also, she has to deal with a certain dragon in the movie as well. (laughs) So.
0: Yeah, so the other dragon of this movie, other than the water spirit, is... Haku, like <laughs> he brings her to see her parents, and when he leaves her, she kind of turns back and just sees this dragon flying up in the air, and is like, oh, okay, so Haku is a dragon. Okay, that's normal for this world, I guess, and just kind of brushes it off. But um, before all the chaos ensued with no face, um, she is out on the porch I guess and Haku's returning and he's being attacked by what look like birds and he's just a mess a bloody bloody mess and she opens the door for him and he flies into her room and she closes it to keep like the papers out and he's just this (laughs) awful bloodied wreck and he's just very aggressive and doesn't really know what's going on i don't think he's even really conscious of what's happening in that moment he can just kind of hear her voice and that's all he's going by but yeah so he doesn't stay there he flies he goes up to Yubaba because he thinks Yubaba can help him i'm sure because um, he's been on her errands and so Chihiro goes off to find him, and when she finds him, Ibaba is just basically writing him off and trying to push him down a well into, I guess, dead spirits are at the bottom of it. Is that what you took? Like I guess they're just like monsters or dead spirits at the bottom?
1: Maybe. Uh just creepy. Possibly. I, I'm not really sure. I mean obviously they they eventually fall, you know, down to uh, down below. Um, but I, I'm not entirely sure on that myself, to be honest with you. But that might be. <laughs> Pop
0: is so evil that she is a pit of like evil spirits, <laughs> just handy for when she needs it. Like it's so messed up. But uh, Haku, I guess, regains consciousness for a minute as he's falling and goes through uh, events, and which leads down to Komachi and he breaks into there and just becomes yeah, wrecks the place. <laughs> and um we he coughs up this black goo thing oh sorry um sen gives her medicine the what she has left of it to him uh or part part of it and (laughs) she has to hold his mouth shut to make him eat it because i guess this is the most vile thing on the planet um but it helps him it gets him to you know turn back into his human form calm down but he coughs up black stuff <laughs> and it's like this black worm that she squishes with her foot <laughs> and one of the most hilarious scenes in this movie is she's got the baby that's now a mouse and the bird fly with them and they're reenacting it for all the dust sprays. <laughs> 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 just the cutest thing i've ever seen in my life they'll just like cheer when she- when the mouse steps on it. <laughs> oh, I love it it's so cute that baby's way better as a mouse.
1: Well, for us, all so much cuter for one, but uh, but yeah. also just happier. Like it's that thing, and I love how. Would you call that? Was that like a, a mini Yubaba before it turned into whatever it is? Because that's what it seemed like to me. <laughs> like Probably. we called it, we called it mini Yubaba, uh, but like, it, like I love that without any change of facial expression from either the mouse or that thing that little what it was turned into um like it just picks it up and carries it and sets it down everywhere it goes <laughs> like it's just yep. this funny bit of comedy that requires no dialogue
0: yeah it's so wonderful yeah i guess that you baba that mini Ubaba thing was just like kind of like um odin with his crows kind of deal it's an extension of I guess, himself, or, or a helper for mm-hmm. Yubaba, I guess that's kind of what I take from it. Uh, but I like it much better as this little bird fly.
1: <laughs> right. So uh, here, here's a couple questions for you. So what did you make of, of in general, uh, Haiku's story? You know, like, what is his story, do you think? I, I saw him as a river dragon. And, and yes. obviously we find out that that's basically true. And that's what I assumed from uh, very early on. Uh, and so he's a, a river dragon and uh, he's been doing Yubaba's bidding, which generally means going and stealing stuff. In this, in this instance, he steals the golden seal from her sister, her twin sister, by the way. Zaniba. Zaniba. And, Zuniba. Zuniba, and um, so... Sabiba comes, you know, like, is attacking IQ with all those paper birds, essentially. And, you know, in that scene, before he, they fall into that shaft, she seems just as bad, if not worse, than her sister, right?
0: Yeah, she's pretty terrible. So, so She's the one that turns the baby into a mouse and... Change the
1: heads into the baby, um,
0: he just wants to kill Haku.
1: Right. So, so let me ask you a question, because how do you reconcile the two different versions of this character? Because we see her acting this way, and I understand she's mad, right? Haku stole her golden seal, and, and I get that. Um, but at the same time, how do you reconcile what you see in this particular scene with what we see a little while later when... Chihiro makes her way to return this golden seal and there's this little cottage and they go inside and she's all like granny, granny uh, and they're like <laughs> Total making... Total 180. I mean, it is completely different character. Like, like, how do you, like, how do you reconcile that as a viewer?
0: I guess what we have to take from it is like when Chihiro first sees her, I think the way she views Chihiro is somebody who has... Maybe a crush on Haku, or thinks he's a good person, but that she's being naive. And so she's kind of written her off, and just... And Haku stole from her, so she doesn't know him, probably. Doesn't know the kind of person he is, probably just thinks he's a little thief, and why, why would I want to deal with a thief? Just kill him, it's one less problem I have. And I guess, but the attitude changes when Chihiro shows up, And she can see that she did all this to save Haku and that the seal on her uh, stamp is broken and it can only be broken by love, so she can see that Chihiro is not naïve, that this is coming from love and from a good place and that she's actually a good person and that Haku is a good person too because somebody loves him so he's got to have something good in him. And I think that's why the demeanor changes. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I guess I can buy that. We were just a little confused. And I'm sure when I first saw this years ago or even subsequent times, I don't know that I'd ever put it together um, because I was just like, okay, wait, how is this? No. Does
0: she have a third sister?
1: <laughs> right. Like it, didn't, it felt so weird to me. Um, but I, I understand what you're saying. And I, I guess I can buy that. Um you know, so so yeah, so this golden seal is spit up by Haku. She kills this little slug thing, which ends up being the thing that caused Yubaba to be able to control uh, Haiku. So that's a good thing, um, and we see yes. that actually, you know, because he can basically talk to her how he wants later and with no ill effects um, to Yubaba. And uh, so then, Chihiro takes this back to her sister, and she's all like granny and we're gonna make you we're gonna make a. we're gonna knit a sweater or something or i don't know uh, a hairband t- hair um and uh no face has you know of course joined Shahiro, and so mm-hmm. he's apparently having a good time uh and then when uh haiku comes and you know, to take them away uh no face stays with with um Granny. with granny so uh you know i think it played out just like we thought he just wants a friend that's all
0: yeah somebody who doesn't have a negative personality per se but is on the whole decent person i think one of the main things about this movie is that every single character has good and bad no one is black and white there's com- complexities to each character and no one is just pure goodness everyone's got some darkness in them and i think that's kind of the same thing with, with no face like he can he wants to be good but yeah there's his ability to be dark is there as well and i think that granny is also the same way just you know she don't fuck with her <laughs> and she's a good person <laughs> just don't get on her bad side and everything's going to be peachy <laughs> yeah
1: i i think um I I liked, you know, ultimately that that her sister ended up becoming a much different character because she is a, the antithesis, I guess, ultimately, of Yubaba, who is greedy and uh, kind of power-hungry and whatever. And, and so I like that they're kind of like opposites in a lot of ways. Um, what did yeah, you right. think about Haiku and and uh, chihiro's love for haiku i mean what do you make of that aspect of the movie
0: i love that i mean that's one thing that's m- majority of Hayao Miyazaki's films are based around is and you know, there's a love there and it's usually just you know a young girl and her appreciation and love for somebody else like we see in Castle in the sky with um uh shida and uh, oh man it's been a while Patsu, Uh, same thing. Kiki, Uh, she—it's not as like strong as like this, but she has that uh, friendship, and it's usually a friendship, but it's a deep, you know, loving friendship. It's not his movies never make it intimate, I guess, sort because they're young. It's just it's a friendship that has a strong bond and that's gonna last for a lifetime and. In future probably be love fraternity Uh, and I love that I love that it doesn't have to be some love obsessed like I need to be with you 100% of the time it's like we can exist on our own and there's always gonna be this uh, this love connection we don't have to worry about desperately need to be near each other and i really love that i love that it, it's allowed to be free you know
1: it's not about you know creating a um melodramatic love story you know that that the love is a lower key in the story um uh, which i think actually is better because because miyazaki knows that. If this aspect of the story, while not unimportant, isn't, I think, the most important aspect that he's trying t- to tell, you know, the most important th- idea or theme that he's trying to explore in his movies. Uh, because the moment you start putting like this super like melodramatic love story in there, it, it's such a cliched storyline that you have to be really careful with how you tell stories with that in it and if you don't do it in just the right way it comes off as hackneyed and and just cliche ridden within the story and I I think I see why he takes that love story a like you said it's because these girls are often younger so like it makes no sense I think to have Chihiro be in love yeah you know with him there's
0: an innocence to it
1: right an innocent love especially at that age is You're my friend. I really like you. That's it. (laughs) You know? Yeah. And it doesn't need to be deeper than that. It's a very innocent, pure, uh, love that isn't, hasn't been, uh, changed or sullied or perverted in some way, um. You know through i guess just the the hormones and, and everything that comes with becoming a a teenager and then obviously to being an adult uh when things change so
0: yeah and as the two of them he gives her a ride back she gets to fly with the dragon um she finally remembers why she knows haku and um basically he when they first met he also he says i've known you for a very long time and he can remember her name and he's just he believes that he's known her his whole life and but doesn't know from where and just has no memory of it and attributes it to being at this place that he has can't remember uh but she finally remembers she uh when she was younger she had fallen into a river and the current had Pushed her up back to shore and saved her. But she has a glimpse recollection of being carried by Haku himself, a dragon. And it all comes back to it, and she says the name, Kohaku River, and just. It was in that moment Haku realized that was his name. He remembers who he was, and. I don't know about you but i'm like that's the bad time to remember your name because he turns back into his normal human self and they start falling um but it was it's a beautiful scene because he's just he's tyriad he remembers who he is remembers who she is and it's a beautiful scene i love that it's one of my favorite scenes
1: yeah i totally agree um like you said bad timing. You know, it's a good thing he can stop them as they, right before they're ready right. to hit, you know, hit the, uh, the water. Uh, because all of a sudden they just slows down and then, Oh, we're, we're fine. I'd be like yelling and screaming and saying, are we going to die? Are we going to die? I certainly wouldn't be calm about it. Um, yeah. But-
0: and, uh, that little bit of story too, um, about her falling into the river. Um, yeah, that's also a pull from totoro uh connection to it cuz in the story the young girl in the story um there's a part in the story where she she's they can't find her and they find like her shoe in a river and think that maybe she drowned but that's not that the case <laughs> but uh it's totally a call to that and i think that's great like maybe like their stories interconnect and i kind of love that when movies do that and they have like massive different movies that all kind of intertwine. I love that.
1: Yeah. So, uh, when they get back there, you know, it's like you have this last thing that your hero has to do in order to escape with her parents. And I love how, because Bo- Baba sucks. <laughs> yeah. And I love how Bo, her, her, her son, um, by the way, you know, he changes back into from a mouse to her son. And he's now, he, first of all, he can walk when he couldn't walk before. Or I think it's not that he couldn't walk. I think he was too lazy to walk.
0: Yeah, he just chose not to. He chose he not to. Care.
1: And uh, there's some stuff I want to talk, theme wise, I want to talk about here after we're done uh, with this. But uh, so he's like telling her, if you, if you you know, don't let her go. I'll be, I won't like you anymore. Uh, you know, so he's standing up to his mother. Uh, but Chihiro says, you know what? No, no, no. I'll, I'll do this. I'll, I'll take your challenge. And so she has to pick her, her parents out of all of these pigs. And that's when she says they're none of them because she doesn't recognize any of them. And that's all she needs. She got it right. So she's free. And so H- Haku ends up taking her back to where her parents are because they have been turned back from pigs to, to people, but they're waiting for her outside of the, the, the theme park the or whatever world. it is. And uh, they're like trying to find her. So they get there and or she gets back and she tells Haku goodbye, finds her parents. And when they get back to their car, like, okay, how much time do you think has been has have they missed 'Cause it's dusty inside. Like I gotta say it's probably been at least I believe a couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say two weeks, probably at least.
1: So what does that mean to about the moving kind of people? Like isn't right? like there like a job <laughs> waiting for them or something where people are like, Yeah, we still have search parties <laughs> You know? It yeah, seems kinda <laughs>
0: right.
1: It seems kinda of weird, like uh
0: I kind of want to know the after story to that when they get there and they're like, uh, "What's going?" We've been like, missing for been two weeks. For for how did that weeks. happen?
1: Like, how are they going to explain <laughs> right. that? I mean, it's not important ultimately, but I thought that's a kind of a funny thing. Like, I thought it was going to be one of those situations before I saw the ending, and when they get, you know, got back to their car, I thought it was going to be one of those things where, you know, in Chihiro's world, in the spirit world, you know, a two weeks pass, but in the real world, only. A few hours or something but obviously it doesn't work that way at least here and you know as much time passed for chihiro passed for for them ultimately
0: yeah exactly yeah that's basically the end of this that she goes back with her parents and goes back to their world and Basically they just kind of understand that she and Haku will meet again at some point when he's finished up in the spirit world and comes to find her. But until then she just gotta live her life and you know, focus on herself and developing who she is and I love that.
1: Right. So, so that
0: doesn't have to be like I need to be with you right now.
1: Right. And so one of the things the last line of dialogue we hear, I believe, is they say, you know, a new school and you know, new new house. Something like it is is, is it, it could be a little scary, right? And Chihiro says, "I think I can handle it," and I think ultimately, <laughs> I should think so, right? I think you know, I think that ultimately gets to the core of Chihiro, which is you know, she starts out as this kind of whiny brat, but through you know, needing to do for herself and showing this inner strength, which she never really realized she, she had, um, she can take on other, you know um obstacles challenges. and challenges. Yeah. And she's okay. She'll get through it. She's hey, when you when you face that or when you deal with a stink spirit, uh I think you can pretty much accomplish anything.
0: You should be able to put that on your resume. Right,
1: like dealt like with this.
0: I saved a river god from being a stink spirit. So
1: does that get me the job?
0: Right. It's like, um this is for accounting. We don't really deal in stink spirits. <laughs>
1: um okay so so why don't we i guess why don't why don't we talk about is there ideas or themes you would like to address in this movie because it's got a lot of potent stuff running through the entire movie
0: yeah we definitely talked about a few themes just that um it's about learning to rely on yourself and develop who you really are and learn to stand on your own two feet. and what happens when you're your safety nets are taken away and just focusing on not being spoiled and figuring out that there's a whole big world out there you can appreciate and explore. And, um, sometimes there's hard work involved and that's okay. Uh, it's nothing to be scared of. Um, there's lots of underlying themes and there's lots of, um, little Easter eggs too, to this. Um, definitely want to mention, uh, one thing Hayao Miyazaki loves to do is the certain profile that Chihiro has. Um, you can see it in Kiki when her friend uh, who lives out in the woods has painted her profile. It's the same profile that Chihiro has. Uh, I love that. And also Kiki's friend in that movie is very similar to who Lin is in this one as well. Uh, And Lynn is great, by the way. I I didn't realize this, so I looked it up, but she is Meg in Hercules. I thought that was great. Mm. Like, I couldn't remember where I heard her voice. I'm like, God, that that demanding kind of tone is really familiar. Where's that from? Like, oh, okay. I totally get it. Okay. And Comanji, too, he's a really familiar voice. David Ogden Um,
1: Steers. Yeah, he, I knew yeah.
0: you would know who that is.
1: Well, <laughs> he <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's famous for MASH. He played uh yeah, he played on MASH for I think it was something like 6 years, something like that. Um yeah. So yeah, he he's definitely well known for, especially if you've watched MASH, you know exactly who he is. So <laughs> um Yeah, so there's a lot of stuff kind of running through this movie and like you said you were mentioning uh, some things here. you know one of the themes I think is uh, adulthood you know yes, Chihiro is only 10 years old but growing up is not just one day you're a child, one day you're an adult. it's a process it takes it's what teenage. It's being a teenager is all about. It's really just a process and often painful terrible process but it is a process uh, from which you go from a child to um, who is worried about nothing but child things to an adult who has responsibilities, uh, who thinks in shades of gray as opposed to the stark um, black and white uh, that we see most children in their thinking and decision-making. Um, but, you know, in the in the world of adults, you have to work, okay? And so one of the things I think we see here is there's kind of like this this shock of, uh children becoming adults so chihiro for instance uh along with Bo, they are there are two people in particular in this story uh who are lazy, basically. Um, they, um, they're they idle. They don't do anything. Chihiro lays in the back seat uh, with her parents driving. Of course, she can't drive. I get that. But she just kind of lays in the back seat and doesn't do anything. Bo lays in his room and just lays there. He doesn't want to get up and walk around. He doesn't want to do anything. He His mother needs to do everything for him, essentially. Uh, but as the story progresses, of course, we see chihiro of course she's going to work at this bathhouse she can't not do anything you know she has to actually become a worker there and that means working long hard days so we see initially she has a hard time like these these kids are running they're they're wiping down the floors so they're like running they're like doing laps around chihiro literally (laughs) up and down up and down chihiro's like gone up and gone down once they've probably gone up and down like six times so we see her struggle you know early on but then she learns quickly and she becomes an integral worker there but it is a lot of hard work and it's kind of like the 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 antithesis of the person she was at the beginning of the story Bo, on the other hand um yes okay we can argue he's still extremely lazy he did have the (laughs) the creature, the little bug thing, whatever, uh, literally carrying him around everywhere he went. However, when he did turn back into a baby, he could walk and he started to assert himself in a way he never did before, you know, uh, he was turned into a mouse. So, you know, we, we see these two characters who are growing up before our eyes. And so that's why I think that, you know, entering adulthood, um, in the world of of what it means to to work for things you want and just work as a responsibility, that's just part of your transition into, I think, adulthood.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Definitely a big theme there. Um, I'm curious who the father of that baby is, though.
1: I I don't even want to know.
0: And how does she even give birth to that kid?
1: Again, I don't want to know. I I don't know who would have a child with you baba um but, you know I I would be reluctant and that's the easiest way I can say that um I would I would I would I would, so polite. Ha- I would hang myself. Uh,
0: that's a little less polite. <laughs>
1: yeah, I would hang myself before having a child with impregnating that thing whatever. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, um i also wanted to bring up greed i think as uh, an important uh well i would say i guess it's more like a motif here um but you know we, we see the people working in the in the house here the bathhouse, and we've, we've already mentioned that they're kind of greedy people right so uh chihiro at the beginning of the of the, of the film just wants you know her parents attention so she's constantly complaining um she wants to move back home um and of course her parents are kind of greedy too in their own way because they just scruffed down all this food despite having not paid for it although i guess i do get it they were going to pay um it turns them literally into pigs the personification of just greediness you know Um, there's
0: no patience there they figure they have money they can buy whatever they want and take whatever they want and it's not a good trait to have
1: right so in the bathhouse, all the people that work there are greedy. I mean, they want gold, they want coins, they want tips for the work that they do. Um, and in that kind of atmosphere, I understand, you know, especially when Yubaba is the most greedy of them all, but to, it kind of trickles down. Uh, you know. But you have Chihiro who kind of is in the face of all that greed. Like she doesn't want any of this. So when she's offered, the, for instance, the cards, the bath cards, from No Face. She doesn't want to take them. She's like, but you know, he kinda of just drops them. Uh, when he offers her all these So distraught. Right. When she offers all when he offers all that gold to her, she refuses. She doesn't want it. She doesn't need it. And um You know, so I, I feel like you know greed plays a large role in this story. Because greed is like everywhere you turn in this story. You know, regardless of who uh but chihiro early on or Bo in his own way you know i think uh, and of course Yibaba, um everybody has a little bit of greed in them and so i think that's why it's important to kind of point that out for this story because greed is a major aspect of this movie
0: yeah greed kind of just blinds you from what's really important and really cherishing like the things that really matter, like having friends, relationships, uh, getting to explore, travel, see the world, and just experience life, and greed can make you very blind to actually attaining that.
1: Right. You know, and gold, gold itself is, is obviously a part of that, that greed thing. You know, everyone seems to be obsessed with gold, you know, no face can seem to like make it out of thin air, uh, but nobody that takes the gold is any happier when they have it, you know? So gold doesn't make you happy. And and so in Yubaba, she's just like, gold, 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 it's all I want, it's all I care about. She doesn't even realize that her child, the child that she sees at least, <laughs> is made up of three jumping man, green manheads, or as Jess so eloquently called them, uh, poodles. So they are literally poodles in the form of green manheads so
0: yep uh yeah she's just completely blind to the fact that something that is really precious to her is actually been taken under her nose and just she's so focused on the money that it doesn't matter she can't see it
1: right right so you know what about um what about freedom i think i feel like freedom is a major um theme here in this in this because obviously Yubaba holds all the cards we we see uh haiku or yeah haiku um haku haku uh and chihiro and actually many people but specifically those two uh fighting literally for their freedom in this story so how do you feel like freedom uh plays an integral role here
0: oh well, it's just like everyone here has been has their freedom taken away and beyond their freedom their identity too to a certain extent And everyone wants, many of them think that gold is going to lead to freedom, Uh, be able to buy a train ticket and get out, whatever. Uh, Everyone, that's where their greed essentially stems from. And I think they kind of forget what their goals are. And then the greed just becomes a part of their identity in the spirit world. And it just festers. And they completely forget the fact that they wanted freedom in the first place and just to exist in that bathhouse. And it's, it's a sad thing to think about, but I think that's freedom sometimes gets forgotten.
1: Well, you're right. Um, you know, because it's not just, it's not just Chihiro and it's just not Haku. Uh, there are of course plenty of people in this story, you know, who are seeking freedom, uh, Kamanji is a perfect example. He's had that, that train ticket that he gives to Chihiro. He's had it for 40 years. Yeah. He has been, he's been waiting for this moment to leave for many, many years. And he doesn't... You know, whether it's his own fear of actually being free after... It's almost like he's been institutionalized, you know, in this prison of his. Yeah. Um, because... I'm sure he could leave at some point I would assume but he can't whether it's his own choice or what but he's had this for 40 years and so whether he's actively seeking freedom or he's just afraid in a way of freedom I don't know but you know he gives this this ticket to Chihiro. she she could accomplish her own goals and get back home herself Now that's 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 talking about like self-sacrifice and everything but still, yeah. know it it's freedom that people are seeking um or giving up freedom in his case i think to a certain extent
0: yeah yeah i think that's a great example of Kamachi. um you gotta wonder like he gave them up i think he loves chihiro as well like as you know, somebody can appreciate a child, um, and who they have become, and just, I think he likes her as a person, and wants to see her succeed, and have the life that he doesn't have and get to leave and be free because she has it in her grasps where he might not actually remember his real name or his identity and he's been struggling with that for god knows how long and if he can't remember that how is he going to leave in the first place so why use the train tickets if you don't know how far you're even going to get or where you want to go and That's like this horrible circle that Yubaba has over people (laughs) she gives you money so you can leave but she takes your identity so that you don't know how or where you want to go it's pretty awful
1: yeah it is pretty awful you know to see these people stuck where they're at because they literally have no choice but to stay there you know they're not given much choice it's uh it's a prison You know, in a lot of ways, the bathhouse is a prison. Yes, it gives people a job to do, and every day they have things that fill their time, but also true freedom is gone. You know, I have to assume that every single person working in that bathhouse is under the same uh, problem that Chihiro has, which is that their name has been stolen, so therefore they are literally just servants of Ibaba, so. Exactly. Yeah. Ugh. (laughs)
0: so should we just kind of give our final thoughts of the movie and give it a good rating
1: uh yeah that sounds good to me um is there well okay before we do that i mean is there anything else that you you would like to bring up here um i'm trying to think if there's
0: everything i had i'm
1: thinking (laughs) if there's any i'm like i'm looking at my notes here i'm trying to make sure that i i haven't passed up on anything um I think it's that might be just about everything I've got. Yeah, I don't think I have anything else here. So, you know. But well, actually, you know what? There's one thing I want to get to before we do our final thoughts. You did touch on this a little bit before, but uh, can you talk a little bit more about the blurred line that exists between good and evil? Because as we talked about, you know, a little bit, none of the characters in this are pure good or pure evil. This isn't the... This isn't Chihiro representing pure goodness and Yubaba representing pure evil because I think that would be a disservice to the characters in this story to just paint them as one or the other. I think like every character from Chihiro to Yubaba, uh, Haku to, you know, um, Lin, you know, uh, Zinaba, I mean, any of them, they all have... The good and bad qualities, bad aspects of their personality. I mean, is there, is there, would you like to mention that a little bit or is there anything you'd like to add there?
0: Sure, yeah, it's definitely a big part of this movie is the fact that good and evil aren't separate. They're one entity. Uh, that they coexist in each person, and it shows with each character. I mean, with Chihiro, you know, at the beginning, she's very unlikable, uh, very ungrateful, and we don't really like her. She's just whiny little brat. Don't really care. But we just see as she, you know, she's kind of into a different element that's not comfortable for her. She, we find out who she really is and who she has the potential to be. And same with like you Baba. You know, she. On the whole, she's pretty much a horrible witch, (laughs) but she has this love for her child—that is something good about her—and she does agree to let uh, Chihiro go. I guess that's something. (laughs) she's not like the worst person in the world. But everybody, like even Haku—I mean, he's such a good person to to Chihiro, but he's a pretty shitty person to apparently everyone else (laughs) because everyone hates him, and he's just like Yubaba's henchman. And that's part of his evil as well. Is that you know he wants to be Yubaba's apprentice and basically is trying to attain the same power she has. And that's greed and you know lust for power there as well. That's not a good thing, but they're just a part of who he is. And it could be also the environment everyone's in to kind of plays tribute to who they've become. Uh, For Sen, it's. Works differently than everybody else because she becomes a better person, where everyone else seems to just kind of slowly become not such good people in that bathhouse. But yeah, it's really interesting the way they portray good and evil as one form in this movie. I kind of like it. Well, they do it I realistically. Love
1: it, you know Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's too easy to just make one person the personification of evil. And and look, I'm gonna just touch on this. You know, um most people that I know are big Harry Potter fans. Um Who isn't right, but but even in that story, even though Voldemort, for instance, is the personification of, of evil and just this like pure like psychopath, um even he, you know, there's moments that are shined upon his backstory, which informs you uh, how he became, you know, Voldemort. Uh, and, and even Harry, uh, you know, he's got a lot of great things about him, but he's also got a really hot temper. And there's, so there's aspects to Harry Potter even... That um, while it maybe is a little easier to kind of paint characters in one way, that's got to, they have a lot of shades of gray there too. So in this movie, I think what they've done is something very admirable, which is we're going to be honest, right? So everybody, whether it's you or me, uh, our, our, our significant others, friends of ours, people we've met once or twice, every single one of us has good things about our personality and things maybe that aren't so good. Um, maybe aspects that we wish we could change. Um, but we all have the capability of doing terrible things, but most of us are just people who, you know, push that aside and do the good things. Um, most of the time, if we can, you know, but it's a realistic depiction of people because people are shades of gray. That's, that's what we are. We are, we are not the childhood view of good and evil which is very black and white as adults we know that uh people are are their faults and the great things about them as well you know so you know i feel like i feel like miyazaki made a point to make sure that even the people that appear bad in this film aren't all bad they do have some redeeming qualities and the people who appear to be really good aren't all good they also have a few things about them that maybe aren't so great so that is i think a great depiction of of that aspect of humanity
0: yeah truly i think it's just one of the aspects that makes this one of his best pieces Mm -hmm. all these things contributed everything you can look deeply into this movie about all make for this beautiful masterpiece that he's created
1: yeah uh so there's one thing i want to mention before we do our final thoughts and that is um When we were watching the movie, uh, my wife said that she seemed to recall in the Odyssey that there was uh, a part of the Odyssey where Cersei, uh, using a a wand, turned people, like soldiers that she had met, people that had uh, offended her or had done something to her or opposed her in some way, she would turn them into beasts or animals or swine, pigs. So, uh, and at the... the uh the main characters in the story um would were, were trying to get like them changed back from swine into people so i thought that was an interesting thing what they did within this movie where they had her parents being turned into swine and ultimately she had to fight to get them turned back into people so
0: that's a good point yeah, yeah. yeah. i didn't even think of that mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So, Sarah, uh, well, you know what? I'll tell you what. I'll do, I'll give my final grade and thoughts. I'll let you wrap (laughs) up since you started this up. Uh, this is a gorgeously animated movie. That's the first thing. Um, but as gorgeous as it is, it is even better as a deeply moving film. Uh, this is, this may be hand drawn animation, but this is cinema at its finest. And um, Roger Ebert loved this movie. The first time he saw it, he saw it an additional three times and wrote an essay about the film back in 2012, which if you have a chance to read it, please do, because you will not be disappointed one bit. It's a great great essay. Um, He views the film as basically about as near perfection as you're going to get. One of the things he says is how every frame of the story is, is painted with such great detail and that the details themselves extend all the way to the edge which is something that Miyazaki is known for. Um, he goes to great pains to make sure that uh, no corners are cut and that detail and richness are in every single frame of his um, films. So this is a beautiful film. It is a deep film. It is a moving film it is a touching film Um, there's a a quote out there that uh, Disney movies touch the heart but uh, Studio Ghibli movies touch the soul and I think that is probably as good a quote as you're gonna find uh, because while Disney is great and they have a lot of wonderful films I think Studio Ghibli it's correct I think they touch your soul and I think This may be the film that touches your soul a little more than any other is uh, spirited away. I I can't give this anything less than my best grade. This deserves an A+.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I completely agree with everything you've said. Uh, It's a fantastic film. It certainly deserves the title as a masterpiece because it's so true. Everything is just even finally, a little more finely done. There's this one moment of this film that the art of it just gets me every time. It's the very beginning when they're walking through the tunnel and they come to the little bit of an open room and there's this uh, stained glass window and a fountain and a bird fountain and it's just it's a still frame but you just see water droplets just coming off of it. But with like the shine from the light it's it's one of the most beautifully drawn images like I've ever seen. I thought that was like to have that it's so small it has no point to the story whatsoever but he put it in there and it was beautiful and that detail is just something that Hayao Miyazaki is just phenomenal with I I love that so much Uh, he puts great effort into everything this movie is about the story the drawing the uh, themes everything Uh, I love it so much Um, it's definitely one of my favorites I agree with you. I'm going to give it an A plus too. I I can't give it anything less than that because it's perfection. It's complete perfection.
1: (laughs) Yeah, totally. It really deserves a high grade. Um, I don't think anybody listening to this podcast would disagree with that. I I would assume maybe maybe, maybe you do. Uh, Maybe you disagree with our assessment. Maybe you think our thoughts are complete crap. Uh, (laughs) That is possible. So, Sarah, how can they disagree with us? how can they send in feedback to tell us that we are full of crap, that our thoughts are just terrible and we should not review films for a living?
0: Oh, well, if you want to send us such lovely email like that, you could send it to Michael's email at, <laughs> uh, okay. Um, so yeah, if you want to send feedback, voicemails, what have you, you can do so by sending them to freaking geeks, at gmail.com. We're also at on Twitter at freak geeks Media. uh, also um patreon.com forward slash freaking geeks where we have tons of other content subscriber levels and all kinds of goodies out on there uh and also if you want to hop onto itunes check us out give us a rating and review we deeply appreciate it. it just gets us noticed and more people to listen which is what we strive for we want to you know reach more people
1: well everybody i guess that's uh, pretty much it for uh the podcast this week um uh, next week, uh, we are, I believe we're doing Valerian, correct? Yes. Now, is yes. it Valerian? You can watch it up there, up in Canada? Yeah. Okay. We have it in theaters right now. Okay. Good, good. So uh, next week, it will be Valerian. And uh, if you're just listening to this for the first time, and, and let's say you haven't listened to many of our recent episodes, uh, the way that we do uh, Freaking Geeks now is, like, for instance, we are on Patreon. It's a site that allows us to be, um, you know, financed by people who like our content. And so before, uh, as of a few weeks ago, the way we did things was uh, by signing up on Patreon, you got all of our podcast like three days before anybody else got them on iTunes. Uh, but, you know, we've decided to change things up. And the way we've changed it is that anything that comes out in theaters, as in currently in theaters... Anything that we're reviewing, um, we will put it on Patreon, but you do not get it unless you are a subscriber. We put out a non-spoiler version, uh, somewhere in the vein of like 10 to 20 minutes uh, without getting into any major detail. Um, we'll give you a thumbs up, thumbs down recommendation. That's it. And uh, if you want... Uh, uh, the long review the deeper analysis of the themes and the characters and everything else you have to subscribe to patreon to get that podcast so that's of course just another reason uh, among many to go to patreon.com forward slash freaking geeks check out our content and for as little as a dollar you can subscribe to our content so
0: and be entered in for loot box giveaways yep. and all kinds of goodies.
1: Yep, we have lots of great stuff. Um, I'm also going to officially announce now that at the end of the year, there will be a uh, Freaking Geeks uh, loot box or a a loot crate or what do you want to call it. It's something that uh, I'm putting together myself. There will be over a $100 worth of goods in that loot box. And it's not going to be, you know... 20 or 30 items uh that you could find at a flea market somewhere it's going to be a lot of great wonderful things i'm going to find myself and i'm going to put it together there'll be a theme attached to the loot box and uh the loot crate i mean and uh that's just yet another reason but the only way you can win that possibly because you could be put into the drawing to win it is if you actually sign up for patreon
0: yep gotta be subscribed.
1: subscriber yep All right, everybody, that's it for us. So until next week when we review Valerian, uh, have a good one, and we'll catch you next time.
0: Later, geeks.